the culture of heaven is all about joy. And our eternal purpose and glory in him is all about joy. That's, that's our inheritance is joy. So today what I want to share, it's funny, it touches so much about joy and, and our inheritance. Um, I just really want to honor everyone in the room today. I, like, I'm just looking around and I can honestly say I love you. I really love you so much, and, and I honor you guys. Even this morning in worship, it was just like full abandonment. It was so good, and it makes it so easy to worship and just go places together as a group where we're all just hungry for the presence. Yeah, so for the past three weeks, I've had this message kind of burning in my heart, and I just really felt like we're going to eat the word today. Like, there's a lot of word, and I feel like the Father wants to deposit in us so that we're just living from that place of truth, and it'll ignite this flame of just love and desire within us. So the one thing that's been burning in me is Isaiah 2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains, It will be exalted above the hills, and many people will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, the temple of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways so that we will walk in his paths. And the law will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. I just get wrecked every time I read that. It's so good. So Adam was walking with the Lord in the garden, Adam and Eve, and Eden means pleasure, unending pleasure and delight. So they were walking in relationship with the Father in his unending pleasure and delight. And the Father commissioned them to go out into the world and spread the boundaries of Eden across all of creation. So it wasn't just to spread his delight and his pleasure and enjoy it, but it was to release his government and be rulers and people that reign and and just rule with him. So it's about government. And and it all started through relationship and union with him. Isn't that beautiful that the key to our authority, the key to our kingship is union with the Father, is relationship with Daddy? It all begins there. That's so good. So he's looking for relationship and unity for us to take hold of our inheritance as sons and as kings and really run with it and spread Eden right now throughout the world, throughout creation. Isaiah 40 says, lift your eyes to the heavens. Set your mind on things above. So our perspective, he's like, come up here. Change your perspective. Look at the things from heaven. Look at what I'm saying. See what I'm doing and follow that. So really, our perspective needs to lift, not to earthly things anymore. He's calling us, set your mind on things above. It's such a key. Where are you looking? He wants us to come into the fullness of who we are. What does that look like, fullness? Really, like if you think about it, what does fullness look like for you in your life? That's going to be way beyond what I'm currently living in now. I can tell you that. Fullness is your inheritance. That's where he wants you to live. Um, Eric preached a couple weeks ago, and, and he was talking about our perspective and our beliefs. And I was sharing a little bit about you become what you behold. So if you're spending a lot of time with a certain person, you'll often take on their mannerisms. You'll become like them. So whatever you're spending time with the most, whatever you're focusing on, you become like that person. And uh, Eric and I, if, if anyone didn't know this, we lived in Iceland. We moved there in 2008, I think it was. 
We were there for five years. We planted a Catch the Fire church there. But being immersed in that culture, we just went in and we were like, we're called to Iceland. We love Iceland. We love the people. We're just going to like full on do whatever you want for us here, Lord. And because we loved and honor, it was so easy just to embrace that culture and those people. And after like a year, we came back and I had a huge Icelandic accent. <laughs> we were like singing in Icelandic and trying our best to talk in Icelandic. And I came home and my mom's like, do you have a Russian accent? Like she just didn't understand the Icelandic accent at all. I was like, oh, do I really have an accent? I can't believe it. But if you spend time with people, you'll, you'll gain their mannerisms or you'll kind of become like them. So the Father is wanting us to become like him. And it's the same reality of if we're focused on earthly, like the earthly realm, then we'll reflect that realm. If we're focused on the kingdom, then we'll reflect the realm of the kingdom. So what are we really dwelling on? What are we putting our attention to? That's going to manifest in our lives. Paul prayed in Ephesians 3 that God would strengthen you with his might so you can understand him. Oh. <laughs> I'm just already getting so smashed today. <laughs> that God would strengthen you with might so you would understand him, so that you can grasp who he is. I love the mirror translation. Has anyone ever picked up? Yeah, it's awesome. It's amazing. It's so rooted in love. So the mirror translation says, I desire for you to release what the Father has given you from his own limitless resources so that you will be dynamically reinforced in your inner being by the Spirit of God. This will impact your faith with capacity to fully grasp the reality of the indwelling of Christ in you. You are rooted and founded in love. Love is your invisible inner source, just like the root system of a tree and the foundation of a building. This is your reservoir of superhuman strength that causes you as saints to collectively grasp the limitless extent of his love in breadth, length, height, and the extremities of his depth. I desire for you to become intimately acquainted with the love of Christ on the deepest possible level, far beyond the reach of the mere academic intellectual grasp. With the scope of this equation, God finds you the ultimate expression of himself in you so that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. <sighs> That's so heavy. He gives us his spirit without measure. Without limitation, he pours himself out over us. So are we satisfied just coming to church and having a good worship time, and we're like, oh, man, yeah, I'm so filled up for the day. And then the week just goes by, and you sort of deplete throughout the week. Are we satisfied with just when we get satisfied? If the Spirit gives us the hunger, when we get satisfied, we should ask, give me more hunger. I want to have an insatiable hunger, an unquenchable thirst for the presence, for knowing him, for, like David cried out, that I would gaze on your beauty and delight in your perfections all the days of my life to dwell in your house, to get wrecked by how amazing and beautiful and good he is. That was David's desire, his prayer. And we know David for being a man after God's own heart. His desire, this unquenchable thirst that was like, I want more all the days of my life. I want to love and minister to your heart. It's so good. 
Here's where the joy comes in. Isaiah 56, those who join themselves with the Lord, I will bring them to my holy mountain, and I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. (laughs) So joining with him in union, I'm in him and he's in me. Lord, in you I live and I move and I have my being. That's what he's talking about, joining with the Lord. In the, in the, mirror, in the message, um, it says in Corinthians, we are entwined in oneness. He is our permanent abode. We are knit together in oneness. It's an inseparable bond. You can never fall out of that. His love has made you perfectly whole and one with him. We're entwined in oneness. And the word also says, now we have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. We have come to the mountain of the Lord. It's not an event that we're waiting for in the future. You have been entwined and entangled in oneness. And where is Jesus? Seated at the right hand of his Father. And if I'm in him and he's in me, where am I seated at the right hand of my father. That's where I'm seated. That's my position in him. That's my commission to walk beside him in oneness and in union. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So we're actually invited to be priests and kings. So we come in as priests and we gaze on the beauty like David And we minister to the Father's heart. And we come into the bliss and delight of our relationship. But he calls us also to be kings. To reign and to rule with him. To declare and decree and to release his government. To spread the borders of Eden now on the earth. To be a generation that say, come, let us go up the mountain. Let us be taught by the Lord and walk in his paths. The word says, of the greatness of his government and of his peace, there will be what? No end. Of the greatness of his government and his peace, there will be no end. Ever. So that's part of our commission, to release his government and his peace right now on the earth. Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done right now on earth as it is in heaven. Colossians 3, it says, put on the new self. You are, in fact, raised together with Christ. Now ponder the persuasion, the consequence of your co-inclusion with him. The consequence of your co-inclusion. A consequence is just like a reaction to something that happens. So something happened, now ponder the reaction to what happened. You've been co-included with him. Relocate yourselves mentally. Engage your thoughts with throne room realities where you are co-seated with Christ in the executive authority of God's right hand. That kind of makes problems seem really small right now. (laughs) Becoming affectionately acquainted with throne room thoughts will keep you from being distracted again by earthly soul rule realm. Your union with death Your union with his death broke the association with that world. See yourselves located in a fortress where your life is hidden with Christ and God. 
The exact life on exhibit in Christ is now repeated in us. We are being co-revealed in the same bliss. We are joined in oneness with him. Just as his life reveals you, your life reveals him. So that verse, in me, or in you I live and I move and I have my being. The Father says that to you. In you I move and live and have my being. So when we understand that, revival is like waking up to that. Wow, God, I'm in revival. I'm, I'm waking up to that fact. In you, I live and move and have my being. But he wants to bring reformation and transformation to the world. In you, I live, I move, I have my being. You are powerful beyond measure because you're seated with him. You're blessed in heavenly places. What are you speaking? What have we been declaring? What have we been partnering with in our lives? His ways are higher. He wants to give us his mind, the mind of Christ. There's a higher knowledge, a higher reality that he wants us to live by. Many will stream to the mountain and say, come, let us go up and learn from him. He will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you, like me, I had tons of ungodly beliefs my whole life. I really believed so many lies about my identity, and then I got inner healing. If you want inner healing, Eric's parents are beautiful people, so loving, and their RTF ministry is just like causing so much breakthrough in people's lives. It's just amazing. It changed my life completely. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So align yourself with the truth of what he says, who he says you are. Are you aligning with that truth? Is that the one voice that is so loud in your head all the time? Repentance means to change the way you think. So we need to repent. I forget who, who said this quote, but they said, many Christians repent just enough for forgiveness, but not enough to see the kingdom. So you're not repenting enough to really realize who you are in him. That's heavy. Be transformed by the renewing, constant renewing of your mind. It's a process. It doesn't stop after one RTF of kind of listing new godly beliefs. It's an everyday thing because things try to come back all the time. Once you start to live from that place, it's going to be easier when a thought comes. You can just kind of laugh at it. Eric and I do that to each other all the time. We'll be in this place of like, oh, yeah, like we're in prosperity. We're not worried about finances. Even it seems like the least finances we have is the less worried. It's kind of funny. But then we'll just suddenly switch out of nowhere like, oh, man, I'm kind of worried about where we're going to pay this bill. And then one of us will just call it out like, uh, uh, <laughs> like, what are you doing? So we started this thing back in Iceland when we first started experiencing that. And the father kept reminding us, like, where do your, where do your finances come from? Where does all of this come from? Does it not come from my hand? Will I not take care of you? Am I not a good father? So then we would just stop praying and we started doing this when we needed money. I go into my storehouse, grab my gold coins, <laughs> put them in my pocket, 
And immediately when we did that, breakthrough happened. So we would find money on our desk, randomly in an unmarked envelope. People just started giving us money. It just felt like it was kind of being thrown at us. <laughs> it's so good. So change your perspective. Where are you living from? Come up the mountain. So how do we respond to this call to come up and begin to shift our minds to heavenly things? I believe, like, from what I've experienced, too, I really feel that the, the gateway is love and honor. I think if you honor and value something, you have access to it. It kind of opens up to you. So when you begin to honor, a lot of people have, have asked before, and we've heard it, people have asked us, too, can you pray so I can see angels? Just begin to honor the angelic. If you want to see things manifest, if you want to know the realities of heaven, first honor it. Wow, Father, thank you for your angels that come and help me. Thank you that they're real, that they're here to support me and help me minister and release your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for your love, like whatever you need. And faith is a free gift. So if you're feeling like, man, I don't even believe in the angelic, ask for faith. He'll give you the faith to then believe so that you can see it. Paul strengthened himself, he, or he prayed, that you would be strengthened with might to grasp. So essentially, that, that we would be strengthened first with faith and understanding and wisdom, so then we can grasp it. So honor is the gateway. In Psalm it says, the intimate counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him, so they may know his covenant. In the Passion Translation, it says, there's a private place reserved for the lovers of God where they sit near him and receive the revelation secrets of his promises. I'm going to read that again. There's a private place reserved for the lovers of God where they sit near him and receive the revelation secrets of his promises for the lovers of God. So those who love and come in through union and honor, those things will be opened up to you. The Father wants to reveal his secrets to you. He's not a secret. He wants to just give you all access. So we need to come in by love and desire and hunger and honor. Oh, I love you. I want more of you. Eric and I were in... Uh, Actually, a few of us went to Toronto a couple years ago. We went to the, the Signs and Wonders Conference, it used to be called. And that whole summer leading up to things, me and Eric were really feeling like we need to just give God our full yes, like in everything. Even being here in Winnipeg, um, when we first came back from Iceland, it was a time of like healing and restoration for us, but we didn't know how long we were going to be here. So in the back of our minds, we were like, we're going to get healed, we're going to be here for time, and we're going to go. But then the father had totally different plans. And when we finally realized that, like, we're in Winnipeg for a purpose and a reason, and this is part of our scroll, not just, like, a hiding place under his wings to be healed. Like, this is, like, part of our scroll. We were like, yes, we love Winnipeg. Thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for what you're going to do in us, through us, for Winnipeg. And uh, so we were already pretty fired up. So we go to this conference, and 
I had heard someone was like talking about the council of God, like our authority and going into the council. And I, at that time, I knew really nothing about that. I kind of had a grasp for the courts of heaven and things, but to really walk into the council rooms of heaven and to govern from that place of authority, I, I wasn't there yet. So I remember being in our hotel room alone and I was just praying and I was like, man, God, I don't understand, but I'm just going to honor this right now. I love your counsel. I honor your counsel. It's so beautiful. It's so righteous. Thank you for your counsel, Lord. I love it and I bless it. And immediately I went somewhere. So it's just my eyes were closed and I just, all of a sudden it was like I was somewhere and I couldn't open my eyes. I couldn't break out of what I was seeing. So I saw, I was in this hallway of this big mansion looking thing. And there were these people that were just like in silence. They had these robes on and they were just walking down the hallway. And I knew they were going into a council room. I was like, I was just honoring this. I think I know where this is going. So in, in the vision, I just saw myself kind of like speed up to follow them because I didn't want to miss it. And I walk into this room and I see all these people gather around this big table. And all of a sudden, I'm lifted and I'm hovering above the table and the Spirit of the Lord is hovering with me. And I see atmosphere and universe. I just, everything was above him, just hovering. And it was silent in the room. And as I looked at the table and I just saw everyone waiting in silence, I saw the seal. And it was so beautiful and ornate. And the more I looked at it, it was like I was soaking up knowledge without anyone speaking to me. It was so, so crazy. But the more I just stared at this seal, the more it opened up for me. And there was writing that kept appearing. And I felt in my spirit, I'm like, I can't read the writing, but I, I understand it. Something clicked, and I get it. They were waiting in silence for us to declare and decree. The seal was hovering, and as I saw it, I understood. Even the Lord is waiting for us to declare and decree and take our position and partner with him. How amazing that he wants us to partner. The word says that he does nothing without first revealing it to his to his people, to his prophets. So the Lord waits to reveal his, his secrets to us. How beautiful is that, that we're so in this love union of oneness that he doesn't want to do anything before he goes, ha, ah, this is my plan. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> he brings us in on this. This is glorious. Oh. He's waiting for us to partner with him so we can establish his kingdom on earth. He draws us into his heart because he wants to do it together. In, uh, in John, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus just isn't, just isn't able to wrap his head around that. And Jesus is saying, unless you're born from spirit, unless you're born from above, you can't see so Jesus wanted to talk to him about heavenly things. Jesus wanted to talk to him about heavenly things. This is what he wants to, to communicate with us. Unless you have eyes to see. So we were all created to see. And I just, I break the lie right now 
that you can't see. If anyone in this room has believed that, I break that lie right now in Jesus' name, and I command your mind never to remember that lie again. We break covenant with that lie right now. You were born to see and to experience heavenly things. The fruit of being born again is sight. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And we all with unveiled faces are being transformed into his image in ever-increasing glory. We're meant to live with our eyes on him. Every solution you will ever need is accessed through union. Every single solution you will ever need is accessed through union. His ways are my ways. His thoughts are my thoughts. His heart is my heart. Let that even be our prayer, even this week. Let that be our prayer. Lord, let your ways be my ways. Let your thoughts be my thoughts. Let your heart be my heart. Let your word be my word. Yeah, Lord. I love that Jesus slept through that storm. Everyone who was in the boat was so afraid for their lives, and they woke him up. Jesus was able to sleep through the storm because he had the peace of heaven. That was his reality, complete peace. And then when they woke him up and said, oh, Lord, Lord, help us. With peace, with the peace of heaven, he spoke with authority, and he calmed the storm. But he kind of rebuked them, and he said, like, what's this unbelief all about? I expected you to do this. Why didn't you calm the storm? So he expects us to take that position of authority. And I believe it comes through that peace. Um, there's a quote from Bill Johnson that says, You only have the authority over the storm that you can sleep in. If I am filled with anxiety in any given situation, it becomes hard for me to release peace because I can only give what I have. Authority functions from heaven's peace, and heaven is filled with absolute, perfect confidence in God. If I am more aware of a crisis or a problem, or even when people talk about, oh, the world is so dark, if I'm more aware of darkness than I am the fact that I'm in him and he's in me, I'm going to live my life in reaction to that darkness, in reaction to those problems. But instead, we're called to live from above, from a place of governing and declaring from the heavenly places. So perfect peace. Look at the birds in the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away food in barns, but the Father feeds them. Does he not value you much more? The grass in the field doesn't worry about how it's going to dress. And it said, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. So if that's how God clothes the grass in beauty, grass that's to be thrown in the fire and discarded easily, how much more will he clothe you? How much more will he take care of you? How much more will he give abundantly to you? First, seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. So we need to engage the mountain of the Lord, which is our perspective in him.
instead of invading or trying to tear down earthly mountains, I've been there, let the mountain of the Lord just come and, and rest and settle. That government is so much higher than everything. I know people talk about mountains all the time and like, oh yeah, like taking that mountain and that mountain. There is one mountain. There is one mountain. The word speaks of it. There is one mountain that will be exalted above every other mountain. There's a system of government and legislation in the kingdom that is above every other system of government and legislation in the world. Eric and I were talking in the car this morning. Randomly, he talked about Trudeau and the carbon tax. <laughs> I, just, I haven't been following that at all. But I was like, man, it is so much beyond the choices that we get to vote for. It's so much beyond fighting and, you know, these political campaigns. It is so much beyond that. When we engage the mountain of the Lord and his authority, it allows that to be established and govern. And that is way beyond our system. Isaiah 60 said, The Lord rises upon you. His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Your sons will come from afar. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you and the riches of the nations will come. <laughs> so as you live in union with him, as you're seated in peace in that position of authority, the nations will bring their wealth to you. You don't have to go out and try to invade. You don't have to fight. The nations will bring their wealth. Kings will come to your brightness. They'll be drawn by the glory that's all over you. Because that's where you're seated. That's what you're engaging with. When, when the father asked, told Moses to come up the mountain, he was spending time with him. And he asked, Lord, let, let your glory be. Come, like, I want to see your glory. And the father said, I'm going to let my goodness pass over you. And he came down the mountain, and what happened? His countenance was changed. He was brilliant. He was glowing. We have access to that glory. When we engage with that, Lord, just every minute I'm so hungry for you. I love you. Just come and fill me with you. Fill me with your glory till I'm spilling over so that nations will be drawn. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. People will recognize that there's something very different about you. Isaiah, just after he said that we'll, we'll walk in his ways, he'll teach us. He will judge between many nations and people will settle disputes for and settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. So tools that were meant for war will now shift and be meant for plowshares, harvesting, prosperity, abundance. The Lord will flip things. He will change things. It's not something that he's commissioned us to strive. I need you to invade the political system and then sort of, you know, try to govern from this earthly realm. It's from heaven to earth. 
So every solution we will ever need is accessed through union. Lord, there's an issue. Show me your ways. What are you saying about this issue? Tell me what to do because your ways are just so much farther, so much higher. When, uh, when Eric and I were in Iceland, the, the whole leadership team, we were meeting every morning. And we would meet before our day started. Um, in Iceland, when we planted this church, there was such a great need. There was a lot of drug and alcohol addiction. I think, like, must have been, like, 90, 95% of our church was recovering addicts and alcoholics. Uh, the suicide rate is very high in Iceland. A lot of depression, a lot of abuse, generational abuse, strongholds. Um, so we were surrounded by what we could have said, oh, that's darkness. If you wanted to look everywhere and see darkness, you probably could. But we spent every morning together as a group, and we just engaged the Father. Oh, we just in silence in the room. Take us up. What are you saying today? What are you doing today? And we were strengthened in him. So that when someone walked in, and it was, we always had this saying that it's a life or death situation. So everyone was given full, of, full attention. If I wasn't filled, if I didn't have it, I would have nothing to give. So I knew the importance of every day we met, and we had to get filled. We had to understand that first, without doing anything, I am so perfectly loved by my Father. I have to do nothing to gain his love and affection over me. That's just it. Bob Jones said, raise the dead, heal the sick, or take a nap. It's all the same. I have to do nothing to earn the pleasure of my Father. So after being filled up, then we would go about our day. We did counseling, RTF ministry, praying for people who came in, and we saw incredible healings. I remember for one full year, it was probably more, but I just remember thinking at one point, a whole year has gone by, and every single person I prayed for got instantly healed. And there was a lot of people coming through our doors. And me and Eric kind of became known for people of healing. So we would, we would get asked, like, oh, hey, this person, we got asked once, someone was in the hospital and they were paralyzed and the paralysis was slowly climbing up to their body. It was about at his chest now. So they said he doesn't have long to live. Soon it's just going to take over and that'll be it. So they called Eric and Lindsay. <laughs> and, and at the time, like, even though we were seeing healings and this was just kind of become normal for us, I was still afraid. I was still nervous, like, oh, God, we're the lifeline here, like, you're asking us to come in this life or death situation. But we just walked in there, and right before we were outside, and we're like, we just love you. We're in rest. You've got this. We're just here as, like, conduits. We're just going to release what you've given us. So we go in the room, and this man wasn't even saved at all, so um, a family member had asked us to come and pray for him. So we were like, hey, is it okay? We're just going to pray for you, and... So we laid hands, and we just started releasing. So, yeah, we command this body to be healed. We release healing. And, and then he kind of started looking a little agitated, and we're like, do you feel something? And he's like, I'm hot everywhere. And we were like, okay, it's done. We can go home. <laughs> Job well done. <laughs> so we left, and how long did it take? A couple days he was walking. The doctors were so confused. It was awesome. <laughs> We're like, <laughs> within a few days, he was walking. 
another woman was uh, dying of cancer and they called me and Eric to go and pray for her. We just went to her apartment. Again, I don't think she was saved even. We uh, just prayed for healing, ministered love, peace, and just commanded her body to be healed. And same thing. She's like, I'm really uncomfortable right now. I was like, oh, what's going on? I have heat everywhere. I was like, okay, we're good. <laughs> it's, the heat's become the sign, apparently. So for one year, every single person we prayed for got healed. And I remember being so in the zone of like, oh, I'm in you and you're in me. That I was walking, we were going to do worship one day. And I just wasn't even thinking about healings. And there was a group of women below the stage and as I'm walking I just look at her and I don't know where this came from I just said joy in your back and then I got up on stage and I was like what did I just do <laughs> that came so out of left field well apparently she had had a huge problem with her spine and she had been struggling with depression for a really long time and as soon as I said joy in your back she felt joy come into her body she started laughing and she felt her spine go <laughs> When you're so full of him, you can't help but leak him everywhere you go. You become known for people of healing, for people who have the glory in them and around them, for people that change and transform wherever they walk, wherever they go. It was just like breathing to me. It was like, oh, yeah, you're going to get your healing. There, there was a man who had he'd been electrocuted, and he lost his arms, and, and he didn't really want prayer, but I was like, if you take off your prosthetics, you're going to get healed right now. Like, I just got to a place where I wasn't afraid anymore. And he was like, no, no, I'm not comfortable. I'm like, if you take off your prosthetics, God's going to heal you right now with total confidence. So what are we engaging with? It, it's, it needs to be like, a, oh, like an unquenchable thirst for him. Because we'll give what we have. And if you don't have it, you can't give it. You can try to fake it till you make it, but you're not going to bring transformation. You're not going to bring Eden and release it on the earth. You're not going to release his government. You can't fake that. It has to be in you. It has to be a personal encounter with the one who heals, with the one who saves, with the one who transforms, with the one who loves. It has to be in union and in love. Oh. I just want to share this other thing. Um, Eric and I, towards the end of that time, our leaders kind of fell away a little bit and kind of went their own separate ways. And Eric and I were taking on a lot more responsibility all of a sudden. And we started to get burnt out. There was a lot of need everywhere. And, and out of nowhere, I think it was just over time, feeling the weight of, like, the pressure that was coming on us, we just started shifting so slowly our focus down again. And that's when we started seeing need everywhere. Before it was like Jesus was everywhere. Jesus was in you. Like someone would come off the streets like still high and be like, Jesus is in you. I see him in you. You are his creation. You were made by him. And some people instantly detoxed. But we began to change our focus and we started looking at the earthly realm. Oh, this suicide here. And we started to really feel it. So people we know were taking their lives and we just like, instead of being up here, we started to slowly be down here again. Oh, we lost a good friend. We lost this person. Oh, this person's back in drugs. This, this is happening. The church is, this is like, we just saw 
the enemy's plans everywhere instead of seeing the Father's plans. And then things changed. So we were getting burnt out. We weren't seeing those signs and wonders as much. We weren't seeing those healings as much. And it was because of our perspective, what we were focusing our attention, that was manifesting in our lives. So a friend of ours, we, we had a prophecy that we were supposed to record an album. And so we had kind of written some songs, and he was like, I know you guys, you're so busy, and the church stuff has just got you 24-7, that if you don't come right now, you're never going to record that album. And so he said, come to the island, come to my studio, and you're going to record it. So me and Eric, like, we were super burnt out. That was like our one vacation in a year at least couple years that was the one time we got away so we were even on on the ferry ride there I was just like I can't stop like my mind I just can't shut my mind off so we get to the studio and we're recording these songs we had written and as the days went on we started getting more and more frustrated we were like we don't like these songs it's just not working and we're getting frustrated with each other and then the guy producing we were all like we were just getting frustrated with each other so Eric's like, you know what, Kate, let's pause, let's go for a walk, and let's just get a different perspective. So we got in the car, and we ended up driving on top of a, it was an old volcano that had erupted in this island. So we went and drove up and kind of parked on the side of this mountaintop, and we were looking over the pier or the port to get to this island. And we just sat there for a minute, and we just said, okay, Holy Spirit, come. What are you saying right now? And Eric just picked up the guitar. He had it like in the driver's seat. He was like trying to work it around the steering wheel. And he just started playing. Just something that just kind of came to him. And as he's playing, I'm like, oh, yeah. And I just started writing. And we looked down, and over the pier, a huge fog formed at the beginning of the pier. And it started to move super quickly into the the whole pier. And within five minutes, I had written the full lyrics to this song called Come Alive. And the fog was so thick, we couldn't see anything anymore. And as soon as we finished the song, the fog went. And I just told Eric, I'm like, I just felt I need to listen to that song again. And the song was about being possessed by God. I didn't even realize it at the time. Oh, the sound, you're far within me. You've taken me over. You make me come alive. And the verse was, what will you show me when my eyes are opening for the first time? There's only one thing I desire, and you're what makes me come alive. Light up the door for me to find the only way I want to go. I won't lay down. I'm moving on closer to your heart. You've taken me over. We need to be possessed by God. We need to be possessed by his love. Driven by love. When you're driven by love, you can't stay still. You release his love and his kingdom wherever you go. So first pause. Go up the mountain. Lord, show me your ways. 
So relationship brings an end to striving. Once you know his love, you lay down. You feed from the abundance of his house. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside peaceful waters. You restore my soul. You lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name. Your rod and your staff, protection and kingship, they comfort me. They guide me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup spills over. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. And I dwell in your house forever. Come up the mountain. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. You are seated with Christ, co-heirs. You are blessed in heavenly places. Be transformed. Renew your mind. Bill Johnson said, The Holy Spirit eagerly reveals his mysteries to all who are truly hungry. He makes us hungry in the first place and reminds us that our hunger cannot be satisfied except by receiving the love of God. The depth at which he goes in me determines how far he goes out of me. It's not our commitment to seeing healing. It's not our commitment to evangelism. It's not our commitment to any of these things. It's our commitment to the person of Jesus. So there's an invitation to come up. I love that in Revelations, I was just reading that, this again this week, then in Revelations when John heard a voice that said, write down what you're seeing. And so John starts to prophesy and write the visions that he's seeing for the seven churches. He saw the seven lampstands, and he's writing all this vision and then that same voice like a trumpet comes. And he saw a doorway open. And it said, come up here. Come up here. And I will show you. And so he went through and what did he see? The father on the throne. The creatures and the elders worshiping. He saw the angels singing, holy, holy. And then he saw Jesus, the lamb who was slain, seated at the right hand of the Father. And it says, the creatures began to sing a new song. Worthy is the lamb to open the scrolls. That we would be seated in him, that we would reign with him. He's done it all already. He didn't, vanquish darkness. He wants us who are created in his image to partner with him. Jesus was here to destroy the works of the enemy. So now we're invited to partner with him and go like, that's under my feet. I know who I am. I'm a son. I'm a king. First, I'm a priest. And I love you. Oh, and I receive your love. 
And out of that peace, I have authority to declare and decree and release your kingdom in the earth. So we have this invitation, come up. I love how John was already seeing. And then he said, come up higher. Come and see the full picture. Come and see the full reality after all of this, all, after all these prophetic visions you were seeing. Come and, come and understand that his ways are so much higher 